You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Oh, it's hump day! All right, probably a little bit too much excitement for a Wednesday. But uh, the week is almost half over if you're listening to this in the morning. And it is half over if you're listening to it in the afternoon. So, uh, you know, take that with whatever you want to take it with. Now, a whole bunch of cool things are going down here in the near future. Next week, I'm not sure if it's going to be Wednesday or if it's going to be Monday of next week. We're talking about episode 100. And... uh, it's going to be a pretty cool episode. I don't know exactly what's going down yet. Huh. I uh, drank some pop and now I have a loogie in my throat. Anyway, but there's going to be a ton of giveaways. We're talking, I, I don't even know, that it's too long It's too long to list, and I don't have the list in front of me, so I'm not even going to try, but the, the first place, second place, and third place. So I'm giving away three sets of prizes next week. So episode 100, it's coming up, and uh, just make sure you tune in for that. And obviously, there's going to be a list of things that you have to do in order to be entered. And uh, anyway, we'll talk about that when that comes. But we have another kick-ass podcast today, and it's a product review podcast, and it's done by a Canadian, and his name is Scott Clark, and Scott today is going to talk a little bit about his experience with Summit Climber Tree Stand, a Lone Wolf Climber Tree Stand, some Sitka gear, some uh, Under Armour Ridge Reaper Series gear, and uh, I think we also talk a little bit about QU on a on the side note, but uh, yeah, some tree stands and some apparel, and uh, you know he lets us know he lets us know. He lets us know what he thinks. Yeah, that's how you say it. Anyway, so listen up to that. But before we get into uh, the podcast, Matt Klein from Exodus Trail Cameras talks a little bit about how the guys from Exodus use their own trail cameras. Well, you know, Chad and I are a little different. You know, I don't know about a lot of the listeners, but we hunt really big woods type areas and the deer that we're hunting probably don't let us get away with as much as, you know, a lot of 
farmland type deer do or, or Midwest type deer do. Um, but what happens is we have a, we have a theory or a method that we call the wheel of fortune method. And without getting too long winded about that, I'll sum it up in a couple of bullet points, which are one, we are running our cameras for one specific deer at a time. I think a lot of people run their cameras in areas where they're trying to get pictures of deer or pictures of mature bucks or whatever. We are running our cameras for one individual and trying to learn what he is doing. And I think that that goes a long way for, for really trying to pattern and kill a big mature deer. Two would be, um, we're using a lot of natural left sign or terrain features. So we're, we're using scrapes, rub lines, um, terrain features, like I said, saddles, benches, that kind of thing. And then also bedding areas, bedding points in, in the hill country that, that we really think one of these mature deer we're after is using. Um, we're hunting a lot of public land, so we can't do bait piles and that kind of thing. So that's a big part of it. And then the last thing would be, we are not taking the data that we're getting from our cameras and using that in the year that we're hunting. I mean, there are times when that helps. Absolutely. But Typically, what we're finding is that the data that we're getting from our cameras when we're hunting these specific mature deer does not serve us well until the years to come. And when we're really putting that puzzle together, so to speak, and we're trying to go in and figure these deer out, um, we find that three to five years of, of data collection is really what it takes to put a big mature buck in the big woods down. All right, guys, if you want to find out more information about Exodus trail cameras, be sure to visit exodusoutdoorgear.com. I'm telling you, check it out. You won't be disappointed. Also, if you do decide to purchase one, enter the discount code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, no spaces, and you will receive $20 off your purchase. So uh, that's not bad. Now, Let's get in to your hump day podcast with Canadian Scott Clark. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the phone with me now is Scott Clark, and he's all the way north of the border from the great white north, Canada. How's it going today, Scott? I'm uh, fantastic, Dan. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Hey, man, I really appreciate you taking time to come on the show and talk gear with me. Yeah, any uh, any chance to talk hunting gear is uh, <laughs> I take the take the opportunity to do it. So, amen, amen. Well, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, first off, why don't you tell everybody where you're from and what you do for a living? Uh, I live in uh, Dorchester, Ontario. So it's outside of uh, London, Ontario. Uh, it's in southwestern Ontario, so it's not too far from the border, which is kind of nice. Um, and I actually own a, a grocery store in uh, Ingersoll. I own a Foodland store. Okay. And does that keep you that keep you pretty busy being the owner of a grocery store? Yeah, it's uh, it's you know seven days a week, three sixty five. So, but uh, being the boss has its perks. Okay, so you get you get to work your hunting time in, eh? Yeah, I mean, when I see a cold front coming, I might change the day <laughs> I want to take off, <laughs> or or just close the grocery store altogether. <laughs> yeah, well, I never do that, but I'll definitely find someone to work. <laughs> so, how was your uh, 2015 season? Uh, um, it was uh, actually really good this year. Um, uh, my wife and I were blessed in uh, September with a baby girl, which uh, meant oh, nice. I couldn't go bear hunting. Which meant I couldn't go bear hunting. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I actually I managed to get a, a nice buck, a uh, nice ten point, at the end of October. Um, he was a hundred was a 125 inch 10 point. He was a three-year-old. I probably should have passed him, but he looked bigger when I first saw him. So, yeah. 
you know, not too picky. And then, uh, less than, well, exactly a week later, um, I was sitting like literally sitting in a turkey chair in a 200 acre cornfield and shot a 140 inch nine point with my muzzleloader. So oh, nice. I had a good season. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So in Ontario, how are the deer numbers? Um, they see, they seem really good, but it's strange because over the last, um, like I've only been, uh, hunting for 10 years. And, uh, and when I first started hunting, we were able to purchase a general deer license or general deer, deer seal, which could shoot any antler deer in Ontario. Okay. And then you could always buy additional, uh, antlerless tags for certain areas. Um, so I always hunted areas 91 and 92, 10 years ago, I could buy six in each one. Um, fast forward the past two years, I haven't been able to get any additional antlerless tags at all. Okay. So basically uh, in the areas I hunt, I can only shoot one deer. Now we do party hunt. We're allowed to, uh, group together and, and fill everybody else's tags, Yep. which is, which is kind of handy. So you always try and make friends with guys who are, you know, who, who don't get out as much and just want to meet. So, right. Right. Okay. But, uh, yeah, the, the numbers overall, I, I would say they're strong, but I mean, based on the, the number of tags in certain areas, they, the ministry has really cut back. So I gotcha. So what about any other animals? I mean, you mentioned bear hunting. Do you have moose in your area? Do you have uh, a mule deer or elk in Ontario? <laughs> no, no, nothing. Uh, there's no mule deer, no elk. Uh, there's black bears. And again, they're nowhere near where, where I live. They're all uh, much further north. Uh, and same thing with moose. Uh, the moose, the closest place you can hunt moose to where I live is about three and a half, four hours away. And okay. to even get a tag is, is almost, it's not impossible, but it's pretty close to. Um, they the ministry's really cut back on moose tags. Okay. Yeah. So fr- from a, from a quality standpoint, you know, you mentioned you would be happy, you know, this year you were happy with, uh, you know, 120 inch three-year-old. Is that something that is, a, you know, a good representation of your area or is it kind of like everywhere where it, you got pockets of, of good deer? Yeah, it's like, it's like everywhere you have pockets that have certain, certain uh, wildlife management units have just have a better reputation, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, a lot, like, I mean, the, I think the Ontario record for typical is 183 inches and with archery. And that was shot a couple hours, um, Southeast of me. Okay. So, and I mean, and I have friends, like my biggest is a 153, uh, 10 point. Um, and there's guys that shoot one eighties, one seventies every year in, in our areas. So okay. I, I'd say, I'd say in, in, in Southern Ontario, where I hunt my friends and all hunt it. There's, there's more deer than there are trees to hide behind at times, it seems. <laughs> so it, you know, I think we're kind of, we're, we're pretty fortunate around here. Unlike, it's not like big woods. It's not like you, you know, thousands of acres and there's three deer in it. Yeah. So there's a lot, you have a, a high number. We do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, so, I mean, do you run trail cameras a lot? Do you have anything exciting for 2000 and, uh, you know, the 2016 going into 2017 season? Or is uh, the little girl going to cut back on your uh, on your tree stand time? <laughs> well, I've, I've also got a, a two-and-a-half-year-old little boy. So um, as of last year, my tree stand time has been, been significantly slashed. But my <laughs> wife's pretty un- – she's pretty understanding, so I still get out a bit. Um, yeah, I've got – I think right now I've got 12 or 13 cameras out. I still have more to put out. Um, and I've got a few nice deer uh, that I saw last year uh, that actually passed last year. So um, they're, they're around again this year. I'm hoping to uh, connect with one of them. 
Oh, nice. Um, like one's a nice, yeah, one's a nice eight. There's a real monster I've been after for the last couple of years. He's a he's a seven by six, and he literally just disappears when the hunting season starts. So yeah, yeah, I got a couple of deer like that as well. They uh, they're the ones that kind of really f with your head because those are the guys who. Uh, I don't know if I should shoot this one because I got trail camera pictures six months ago of <laughs> of a, exactly, a giant. Yeah. You know, it's like I haven't seen him since, but he could he could pop out. Yeah, no, and, I, and this actually this season I, I got a uh, we just got back from holidays. We went down to uh, Ohio for a few days last week, and um, when I was down there, I slipped into a uh, on the way back. I stopped in Michigan, went to a Dick Sporting, and picked up a few new hangouts. Um, they were too cheap not to buy. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking, I'm trying to get those hung up because I've changed my my tactics this year. I've gone uh, I sold my compound and I'm gone traditional. So I'm trying trying with the recurve and longbow this year. Oh boy! So yeah, how how <laughs> so is I that? Can't, how has that transition been? Uh you know that's a lot of fun. Um, I can honestly say it's a lot more fun to go in the backyard and and shoot shoot the recurve. Um, I enjoyed shooting my compound. Don't get me wrong. I just felt last year after it was like. You know, shot a buck, got a buck, got a buck. I'm like, you know what? It's let's let's up the ante. Let's try and make it a little bit more difficult. So I figured, why not? Why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. Well, if why you're, uh, you know, this is a shout out to some guys that I know. Um, they do a podcast called Trad Geeks. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they, I have. Yeah. 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 They do a lot of uh, uh, their podcasts. I think consist of traditional archery equipment, so you might like that. And that's a shout out to those guys. They have a really good podcast as well. So uh, check that out. But uh, today we are going to be talking about, you know, this is a a product review podcast. And uh, we're going to talk about two tree stands in particular. And then if we have time, we might, we might jump into some apparel at towards the end. But um, my first question to you is when you start looking for a new tree stand you mentioned you just purchased some hang-ons uh, at a dick sporting goods and it sounds to me like they were you know like you said too cheap to pass up what are what are things that you're looking for what characteristics are you looking for when purchasing a tree stand uh the first thing i look at um well first thing i look at is price yeah. <laughs> but uh, i'm sure most of them are the same but um i do have i have a i do have a, a lone wolf um hang on and sticks that I use for, for mobile use. Yep. Um, but when I was looking at these hang ons, the first thing I always look at is platform size. And, um, it, the platform, I, I always want a really big platform. I've always felt that those tiny platform stands, there's not enough room to literally move around to get a to drawn on the deer when you're shooting a compound. I mean, if you're shooting a, a firearm or a crossbow, it's a little easier, but I think that's one of the biggest things is I always look at how big is the platform. Um, okay. the second thing I look at is, um, the seat, is it, um, is, does it flip up and get out of the way? Cause I prefer to stand most of the time as opposed to sit. Okay. Yeah. So are a majority of your tree stands hang-ons or climbers? Uh, you know what, actually all the stands I have set up right now, I've got two hang-on or I got, sorry, three hang-ons and I have uh, a climber and actually I just bought another hang-on, another set of sticks. And then I have six ladder stands that are all actually coming down that someone bought them off me. So I have to get time in the next week or so to take them all down. Okay. 
So the, the reviews that we're going to be talking about today, and there's two, two tree stands you wanted to review in particular. And uh, one was the Lone Wolf Flip Top Climber. And then the other one was the Summit Viper, right? Yep. Okay. So I guess let's kind of start in chronological order. Which one of these did you get first? Uh, first one I purchased was a Summit Viper. Okay. So and that would have been nine years ago, I guess. Okay. So nine years ago, you got your first, was this your first climbing tree stand that you got? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So why did you decide to, you know, I guess, what were you using before nine years ago? Um, nothing. I was, okay. I was sitting on the ground. <laughs> I gotcha. So yeah. this, this, uh, Summit Viper went, what were some of the things that led you to purchasing this particular tree stand? Um, a friend of mine had an older model of it and I, and he suggested, he said, look at these, look at these climbers. You can't go wrong with a climber cause you can hunt anywhere you want. He said, you literally go in and you just hunt. And I guess the area we, we hunt mostly, we're fortunate. There are a lot of straight trees with no low limbs. So climbers are fantastic. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, so what other brands were you looking at before you made ended up, you know, making that purchase? Honestly, that was the there was I looked at the local archery shop um, near me only carries Lone Wolf and uh, Summit. And when my friend suggested the Summit and I went and looked and the price of the Lone Wolf were almost two hundred dollars more than the Summit, which was three hundred, I said, Well that's that's a no brainer and I bought the uh, bought the Summit. And that was three hundred dollars nine years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, basically, you made the purchase based off a friend's recommendation, correct? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So, once you bought it and you started using it, were you know were you happy with your decision, or was it because this is your very first tree stand you ever had? You were kind of indifferent. You didn't know any better whether you know how it should work or not. Um, I was actually I was really pleased with it. Um, it was really simple to use. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of heights. <laughs> um, the, actually I'm scared of heights. I, I <laughs> get me up on a ladder 10 feet. I'm like, yeah, I'm shaking. The nice part about the summit climber was you have a bar that's all the way around you the whole time you're climbing up. So you don't feel disconnected. It's not like you're climbing a ladder because there's something behind you. For some reason, I just pictured you about three feet off the ground in a climbing tree stand. <laughs> you know what? I've done that in gun season because it's a great comfortable seat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so as you begin to use a climber more and more and more, um, and you, you mentioned this is, uh, was this thing quiet? I mean, did you notice any flaws? Did you notice any, uh, kinks in this? I mean, obviously this is a 10, you know, now we're talking 10 years ago, but when yeah. you purchase this, uh, did you did you notice any corks on it or you know oh my god this thing is amazing uh you know what it it, <laughs> it was a nice climber um i'll say there's a couple there were a couple flaws in it um one thing the finish was wearing off on the uh the actual platform itself the paint would flake off um i noticed that on my friends too he had a, like he had an even older model uh, so you'd have to touch it up with some paint um, and I did notice if you were wearing rubber boots and they were wet, they would literally make a squeak sound on the platform itself. Yeah. If you moved your feet around. Yeah. And was this, um, al- is this aluminum or was it steel? 
Uh, it's aluminum. It's aluminum. It's welded aluminum. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, other than that squeak, did it make any noise going up and down the stand, up and down the tree? Excuse uh, me. Yeah, you get a little bit off of the uh, the cable that would wrap around the tree itself. You could hear it scrape a little bit against the the tree, but relatively fairly quiet. Um, the stand itself didn't make any serious noise, but it would when you hit uh, close to like below 45 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, you'd start to get some squeaks and creaks moving around the stand a bit. When it when the temperatures dropped, the metal definitely creaked a bit. Okay. All right. So over how many years did you end up using that particular tree stand? Uh, I used that one from, so you bought it in 2000, 2006, I guess. 2006, 2007. I used it until 2000. Well, I used it for two years, and I replaced it with the SD version. Okay. Which was the, the newer sound deadening version. So and on, on that SD version, it, you said SD stands for sound deadening. Was was it in fact a quieter tree stand? Uh, I would say, yeah, a little bit. Like, well, yeah, overall, yes. I mean, the, the metal, um, the actual metal was coated in some like powder coating process. So it wasn't um, itself, it was a little bit quieter. If you dropped uh, a grunt tube against it, you still made a metal. It still made a sound, but it wasn't right. quite as loud as the previous version. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, and I used it until two thousand and uh, the two thousand and twelve season, actually leading into the two thousand twelve season. Okay. So, did you notice any other upgrades, or you know, from the two thousand six? where you just bought a regular Viper to the 2008 where you, you know, you, you upgraded to the SD version of, of that same tree stand. What was different between the original and the SD version other than that sound deadening uh, powder coat? Uh, they changed the, uh, I think they changed the, the camo pattern that was available on the, on the uh, uh, cushions that you put on the stand, which I mean really doesn't matter much, but right. Um, other than that, and I think the, I'm trying to remember if the original one had, they have like the silent strips, the, there's like a camouflage foam sticky back that you put on parts of the stand. And I'm trying, I can't remember if the original one I bought had that or not. I knew the SD version did. Okay. Um, the, that's the nice part about those, those, those summit vipers. Not if you go online, I mean, there's like pimp my tree stand. You can do all kinds of stuff to them. Um, guys do all kinds of crazy stuff like filling the aluminum up with um with gap filler so it doesn't make any sound and i gotcha so let's see here of of that new sd version um still still pretty comfortable to sit in once you got situated oh yeah i mean that was that was the biggest thing with uh with, with the, the summits if, like and I, a friend of mine had the goliath which was an even it was huge actually because um, the one i had was rated for 300 pounds the one he bought, because he was like, I'm a big guy. I'm like six foot two forty. He's he was bigger than me, and he had the 350 pound version. Yeah. And it's like a lazy boy in the tree. I mean, I I don't even know how many hours I slept leaning back in that <laughs> in that tree stand. <laughs> There's something to say about an uncomfortable tree stand. You know, it's it's going to keep you awake so Sharp you don't miss alert, any deer. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, right. those those stands were incredible. I mean, you you, you could you could adjust the angle of the sling seat and lean back and just close your eyes, and there's no chance you're falling out because again, the bar is all the way around you. So right, right. Now, on the same token, 
I know a lot of it has to, you know, is determined by where, how you set it up, that top part from the bottom part. But did you ever have any instances where because of that bar going all the way around, it maybe limited some of your mobility or you caught it and you maybe, I mean, you felt like you may fall or trip over it? Um, you know, for one, for uh, a lot of places I go to hunt, it's, it's, it's funny because the number of stands, permanent stands I'd have hung up, I would hunt them very little during the season, um, because I'd share property with other guys. Right. Um, I'd end up going to like the public land spots and that's where I would use the climbers most of the time. And I found the summit a little bit big and bulky at times going through the bush, the, the cables, the way that they would be on your back and catch things as you're walking through and they make a little bit of noise. Okay. Um, Actually, on the tree, too, I've had the top and bottom sections. And I've heard guys rectify this by sharpening the teeth, but I've had them slip. And there's nothing more makes your heart drop than when the base all of a sudden shifts and you drop down a couple <laughs> inches in a tree. Right. <laughs> right. I've had that happen on a couple uh, hang-ons where um, I didn't have my strap straight around the tree. So you get up on there and luckily you know you're strapped in before you step up on the platform. But you step in, your uh, tree stand drops like four inches and you feel like yeah. oh, i'm gonna die yeah yeah you immediately go to your tether hold on to and go oh please god let's yeah. stop you again <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, no i've had this the summit it, it, it there's a negative to it if you're in it and even if you have everything installed properly if you shift your weight hard left or right on it the platform will will give a little okay so, so is you that, can't you can't sorry is that depending on the size of the tree or is that yeah. just no all all trees? You know, it depends. It, I think it depends more on the type of tree. Okay. Um, if it's something with really gnarly bark, um, you're less likely to have that happen. They they even say that in the directions. Don't use this on smooth bark trees. Um, but I mean, in some cases, you got to do what you got to do, and you you try and make sure you dig it in as hard as you can. But um, in cold weather, too, even uh, a, a rough bark tree the bark can get icy and and you know the stand can still slip yeah yeah all right so you mentioned in 2012 then did you decide to go a different direction or stay with summit um i decided to go a different direction i started the season um uh, i still have my summit and i said you know i want to i want to change things up and i saw lone wolf had released it was called the flip top climber they've changed the, the wording now they call it the wide flip top they never changed the actual design it's just they changed the wording of it now okay um and i looked at it and i went oh that's that's neat it's it looks like it's the um uh it's the it's the alpha base so the standard alpha base yep and it looks like an alpha but it's an actual climber so you have a small single seat that flips up out of the way then you've got full use of the platform. And again, it's a cast platform versus the welded um, summit, which you don't have full use of the platform. Unfortunately, the, the summit, the climbing system, they have a bungee that comes across it with little right. stirrups, and that takes up part of your part of your platform. Not to mention your seat is kind of in the way in the summit until you push it back and out of the way. Okay. So, so, this, so this lone wolf then flip, the, the seat flips up to get it yeah, stay out of your way. Up. Okay. Yeah, it, it's literally it's literally like a uh, hang on only it's a climber. Okay, so 
what were some of the reasons why you decided, I know we mentioned a couple of them, but were there any other reasons why you decided to, you know, not purchase another summit or any other, I mean, did you look at any other tree stands before purchasing this uh, flip top one from Lone Wolf? Uh, you know what? I really didn't. I, cause I mean, a lot of the other climbers are all, they're all basically the same. This one was just, uh, much more different. Okay. Um, I mean, keep in mind uh, where I'm in Canada, we don't have the variety that you'd have in the U S I know there's a lot of different varieties, like the tree walkers and, and bayou stands and such that they're, they're all a little bit different, but like, again, the, the archery shop I had, they had one in and I looked at it and I really liked the design of it. Um, I especially like the fact that it's basically like, like I said, a hang on, but then I still have the climbing bar. So I feel a little bit more secure going back to my fear of heights. Right. Right. <laughs> Real quick question. If there is a product, a hunting product or really any product, uh, that's in the U S only, and it may not be carried in, in Canada, how much is it costing you to get it? I mean, is it, is there a noticeable difference if let's say you, I don't know. You live in Ontario. You know, you're how far yeah. are you away from United States? Uh, an hour. An hour. Okay, so you're yeah. you're an hour away from the U.S. border. Um, I let's say there's a a company in New York uh, or Ohio or you know somewhere closer to you, and I live in Iowa. I wonder yeah. is the shipping going to be the same, or are you getting charged extra because you live in a different country? Uh, you know, it, it depends on who you order it depends on the company so a great example is bass pro um i ordered a bunch of stuff we have a bass pro in ontario but um unfortunately all their online purchases get shipped from the states so they immediately wanted to charge me on top of my 600 plus dollar order 300 dollars in um what was it called brokerage fees just to ship it plus then i had to pay duty and taxes on top of it Oh boy! So by the time by the time I was done, my six hundred dollar order would have cost me over a thousand dollars. So I very quickly canceled the order. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so it really depends. I mean, I've um, I've got some gear from Kuyu, and again, I get it shipped up here, and then I get dinged on on um, the customs calls it um, handling fees. It's like seventy five dollars just to open the package to make sure it actually is clothing. Yeah. So it, it really really varies. If I really want something that bad then i'll just drive across the border and pick it up gotcha okay plus i'm playing 30 cents on the dollar too right so right <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stings <laughs> yeah i can believe that i can believe that now let's uh talk about this lone wolf here um what were some of the differences that you instantly noticed after you picked it up compared to the summit um actually first thing i noticed it's heavier okay <laughs> it's it's uh it's a pound heavier um but it packs Totally flat, um, and it packs tightly together. So when you pack it up and get it ready to transport, it doesn't make a sound. Um, you can pick and shake it; you won't have any sound at all. Versus the summit, you get squeaks and creaks, and just because of the way it slides together. Okay. Um, so this this lone wolf is more quiet. Yeah, very much so. Okay. Yeah. Now, did you notice? With that quietness, did you notice maybe a little bit more of a firmer feel on it or, you know, like the construction of it was better because, you know, that was a cast uh, platform compared to a welded platform? Um, It felt solid. Yeah, it, it definitely felt more when you're when you when you actually stand on it in a tree. Yeah, it feels it feels solid, solid versus the 
the, the welded aluminum would flex a little bit. Okay. But, um, yeah, no. I, and the one thing too is in both cases, um, I, I took it off my summit. I'd bought, uh, the Alice and Mole straps, uh, shoulder straps and kidney belt Yep. for, for moving it. Because I mean, the standard straps that all the companies have, even the upgraded Lone Wolf ones, they're not, they're not terribly comfortable to carry long distance. Like I'm talking, you start hiking a mile or two or three with a climber on your back and more gear and this and that it's, you want a little bit of comfort. So, right. No, makes sense. Makes sense. So what other, any like negatives and positives about this lone wolf? Um, one, actually one negative, I, it's a negative just because I think it's, it, it, it happened to me is it has, it folds down and then it, you have to raise up some arms and tighten some bolts so that, so it stays in position when you go to put it on the tree. And I had the top section, one of the bolts, obviously I hadn't seated it properly and it actually collapsed on me when I was climbing up the tree. Um, <laughs> so that's a, that's, that was kind of a big negative. I, I, the more moving parts, right. The more possibility something could fail, I suppose. Right. 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 So that, that happened once. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Now was that, user error on your part or was it maybe uh they didn't give the proper instructions on it no that was user error okay. it, was, it was it was first thing in the morning it's pitch black and i didn't have my headlamp on and i and literally you, you just have to feel until it feels like it's seated and then kind of tighten up a bolt i'm like oh that felt good and then i started climbing up and obviously the bolt wasn't totally tight it slipped so okay. there's one thing i mean the difference the summits you don't have that issue because you pull them apart, you put the strap around the tree and away you go. Gotcha. All right. So compared to, I mean, compared to comparing these two together, which one of those tree stands has more metal on metal contact when you're, when you're packing it? Uh, the, the, Oh, that's actually a good question. Um, because the actual platform, I would say actually the lone wolf would have more metal on metal, uh, just because the platforms touch each other, yeah. um, and you have like the top section seats into the bottom section like a like a hitch system. Right. So I'd actually say metal on metal. The lone wolf has more metal on metal. Now, I mean, uh, if you did the bungees and all the straps upright, it was fine. And on top of that, I've added some some more sound deadening. I've wrapped some tape and stuff around some contact contact points so it doesn't have the metal on metal anymore. Okay. Um, you know, so I would say the Lone Wolf definitely had more metal on metal, but, but you, you fix that with some tape or some foam or something. Yeah. You, all you have to do is you just look, you can see the points where the, where this, where the stand with the top section would contact the bottom and you just wrap some, uh, wrap some tape around those points and you solve that. Okay. Now going up and down the tree, which one of those performs better in your opinion? Uh, the Lone Wolf. Um, yeah, I mean, because lone wolf, you can treat it. You can actually use it as a hand climber without having to sit on the bar, um, or you can sit on the bar and use it as a standard sit and climb. Um, you can climb. You could climb a cement pole with this with the lone wolf climber. Um, the, their traction belt is is far superior to summits. It has okay. more, like the teeth on the back, literally on the traction belt, will dig into the tree. Plus, the actual uh, teeth on the on the climber itself will. Um, I'd have no problem climbing food bar trees with that. Now you can't climb as big a diameter trees as you could with the summit. Okay. Uh, right out of the box. You can buy an additional XL traction belt 
which is like another 75 bucks, I think. I've never bothered because I've never found the need. I mean, if I find a tree that's too big, I just said, okay, and I'd find somewhere else to go. So there is a chance that you might need uh, an additional belt for the lone wolf if yep uh okay they're strapped for the lone yeah. wolf now in regards to that belt in the mornings hunts you know it's it's dark and let's say you're trying to be as low profile as possible you don't want to use your headlamp as much is it easy to set up in the dark or take down in the dark oh uh, yeah yeah they both, both? They, were, they both were yeah okay the uh, i would say again for safety wise i would say the lone wolf's um, traction belt and the way it locks in place system is better than the summit. Okay. Um, again, it, it's it's hard to kind of hard to describe because the traction belt on the lone wolf has teeth that you have to you have to snap the, the clamp in place to hold them. Okay. Versus the summit was like a little trigger system, like the old old ones. Uh, my buddy of mine, his actually his top section, the traction belt literally came right off the stand before. And he's had it fall when he's trying to climb uh, right. because he, he, it just was such. A, it was a really poor system. The previous one, the newer one's better, but again, it's not as it's not as um, it's not, it's, in my opinion, it's not as safe as the lone wolves. Um, okay. And setting up in the dark, lone wolves got uh, they actually have warning markers saying you know don't go past this line, and they're bright white um, on the actual traction belt, so you can see almost see them in the dark. Hey don't let any more of the belts out because this is kind of your, you know, the end of where you want to be. Right. I gotcha. Okay. So what was the cost on that, uh, that flip top? Uh, the flip top was, was it $489 or 479 It's now 500 I, I just saw the other day that 520 something Canadian now, 529 Canadian. So it's still 450 us. Okay. So, yeah. Do you think, that, and I'm just going based off of U.S. numbers here, you mentioned that uh, that SD climber was 300 and the Lone Wolf, I'm, I'm going based off what I see in the internet here, 480. So do you, okay, think, yeah. do you think it's worth, that Lone Wolf is worth the 100, extra $180? Yeah, I, I definitely. I mean, I've, I've been in that shop, that archery shop, and the guys have said, hey, Scott, can you talk to this customer about these two stands? And I said, okay, what do you want? And he's like, well, what's the difference? I said, do you want to be comfortable or do you want to be quiet? <laughs> and I said, because the summit, you cannot, there, there's the summit hands down through my experience is so comfortable. You won't, you won't find a more comfortable tree stand to be in. Um, I haven't sat the millennium hang ons and such, but I still can't see that that seat being as comfortable as that sling seat they have on the summits. Yeah. But are you there to sleep or are you there to kill something? Right. 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 So I, I definitely say the, the lone wolf is definitely worth the money. Okay. All right. So, let's see here. I mean, the lone wolf, can I just add one thing? To, to make the lone wolf more comfortable, um, you can buy the, uh, I think it's called Hunt Comfort. It's a memory foam seat that okay. can go on, that can replace the factory one. Yep. Um, I had two of those seats. Um, I would not recommend using them on the climber, though. Okay, um, why is that? I, because they're so thick of foam that when you're trying to climb the tree, they literally are scraping the side of the, the bark on the tree, and they're making noise. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so you kind of have to pull it away, yep. or you just yep. deal with it. Yeah, exactly. You either have to pull it away towards yourself. And I mean, on top of that, if even if it's not making noise, if there's dew on the tree, your seat's getting soaked. 
(laughs) Then you get up to the top. I mean, the seat itself is waterproof, but you're sitting on the wet on the outside of the seat. So then your ass gets wet. Yeah. So, yep. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So, um, I mean, it sounds like you have pretty good reviews. I mean, would you recommend both these products or, I mean, obviously it sounds to me like you'd recommend the lone wolf over the summit for, you know, for that 180 bucks. But, um, are you, would you recommend the summit? Yeah, I would. I would recommend the summit. If someone's, if if someone's very budget conscious, the summit is a great choice. I mean, again, it was a great stand. It does have its flaws. There are, um, there's actually, and I'm trying to think of the name of the company. It's going to buy, it's not third hand archery, but there's a company that came out with upgrades for the summit that do make it a little bit better. Um, like the lone wolf has, um, stabilizing straps, which attach the bottom and top section. And when you tighten them, it's rock solid. It won't move. Like the problem you have with the standard summit, if you shift your weight, it can shift. This company made stabilizing straps for summit stands so that they have that same effect. But again, then you have to buy something else. Gotcha. And then, you know, it goes without saying you're going to recommend the lone wolf, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, hands down. I mean, last, uh, well, four years I've shot four bucks (laughs) sitting in my lone wolf climber. So (laughs) it's, it's hard to not recommend it. Right. Okay. Sounds good. Let's see here. Um, so your next tree stand that you purchase, are you going to go with another climber or are, I mean, did you get rid of your summit climber? Yeah, I sold my summit. Um, I figured how many, you can only use one climber. You might as well. So I sold my summit. Um, and actually then I bought some, I bought a lone wolf, um, elf, or is it? Yeah. The assault and, um, sticks as well for, cause some of the spots I was going, the trees, you just couldn't use a climber on them. Right. Um, so some of the swamps and stuff I, I like to go into now, you, you can't get in there with a, you can't use a climber. So the uh, sticks and hang on were the way to go. So like last year I kind of flip flop back and forth with some. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, what brand, you know, you mentioned you were at sport, the Dick sporting goods store. There's a whole bunch of really cheapo ones. What brand were they? Uh, they were not hunt comfort <laughs> or cut. They were not comfort zone. Like your buddy, Mark. Right, right. <laughs> no, they were uh, field and stream. Okay. Um, they were field and stream, the timber lined. Okay. How much were they a piece? Uh, $59. Okay. So have you yeah. put one in a tree yet by any chance? I did actually. I put uh, put two in the tree on the weekend. I was at my trailer. I hung them about two feet off the ground, and I was sitting in there uh, having a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, for fifty nine dollars, are they going to work? Or, I mean, oh, do you yeah. have any I, doubts with them? I, you know, you never, you never one hundred percent sure. You know, for fifty nine bucks, what are you really getting? Right. Um, but I was impressed. They were pretty solid. Um, I like the uh, the seat. You can adjust the level of the seat like you can on a lone wolf, and the actual platform, the lone wolf's um, adjustable platform, these stands came with the same setup. So okay. I'm looking forward to setting them up in, in a couple spots. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that's the tree stand talk. So we got some time left. I did, Let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, this apparel. Um, you, in your email to me, you, you talked about, you know, reviewing the fanatic jacket and bibs from Sitka, as well as some some articles of clothing from the Ridge Reaper Under Armour line. So, yep. 
why don't you just talk to us a little bit about which one of those you bought first and then maybe give us a little timeline of, you know, what you did with those products. Okay. Um, so in the, the, the summer of 2013, I decided to kind of upgrade my uh, clothing choices and such. Um, and I kept looking at different varieties and kept coming back to Under Armour and I'm like, Oh, their gear looks pretty good. So that was actually the order I placed through Bass Pro that was going to cost me a small fortune. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, I ended up actually, uh, working it out. He's able to ship it to a store and, and pick it up directly. Cause I was going to spend a week, uh, in, in the States camping. So I was able to pick it up and avoid duty and such. So I bought, um, Under Armour early season jacket, uh, Ridge Reaper pants, uh, Ridge Reaper jacket. Oh, what else? The uh, one of their down vests. Okay. Um, a couple of their hoodies, and that was my plan. That was going to be my pretty well my system for for coming in the deer season. I was going to kind of layer accordingly because um, I was just getting into the whole layering system, as opposed to just you know throwing on a bunch of fleece and a bunch of jackets and yep. you know because <laughs> there's nothing worse than trying to shoot your bow and you're like the state puff marshmallow man so right right so what yeah, led so you, I, what led you to say okay i gotta get i gotta get under armor well i mean it was again it was more like i was looking at the different varieties and i and i looked at um i looked at sika um again the price kind of went oh geez that's a lot of money for you know two things literally a jacket and a Japanese jacket and bibs and i went i can buy you know i can get this this and this and this and this for the same amount of money as that so let's let's go the under armor route um camel pattern i at the time i like the real tree i've kind of changed my opinion on camouflage as far as i don't think it really matters at all yeah um <laughs> but uh yeah so i literally i just kind of looked at the different varieties and i had I had wore the um, Under Armour cold uh, cold gear base layers right. in the past um, for snowboarding and such outdoors, and I, and I actually liked how well they wick moisture away from you. So I kind of went, oh, okay. And I looked at this newer technology called infrared technology designed to keep you warm, and I'm like, well, I can wear less layers and stay warmer. That'd be fantastic. Okay. So, so you made that upgrade to um, – under armor and uh, you know that's from a from a financial standpoint how much that all all that cost you uh yeah by the time the dust settled it was around almost nine hundred dollars canadian yeah okay and that was in 2013 so uh talk to me a little bit about um i I guess the comp you know how comfortable were you how did it perform that first uh that first season yeah well i used it um I used it. I took it on a, on a fall bear hunt. Um, and I wore the early season, uh, I wore the Ridge Reaper pants and then the early season jacket, um, works really well. But I mean, again, you're, when you're hunting in September, it's more about how to not sweat <laughs> too much cause it's right. so warm at times. Right. Um, it did get cool and I, I found it quite comfortable and it performed well. Um, I didn't have any problem going through the bush. It was comfortable to walk in. Um, you know, fast forward to October, um, deer season starts again, I'm doing longer walks, wearing stuff and I found, okay, it's, it's pretty warm. So I can't really wear the jacket walking in. I carry the jacket with me and then I get set up within by the middle of October. Um, I was finding even when I put the jacket on, if you're not moving, you freeze. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the stand going, okay, I got less layers on. I'm supposed to be warm, but I'm not. 
And I'm like, this, this, uh, it's, in my opinion, this, it's just not designed for a tree stand hunter. It was designed for spot and stock and moving around. Okay. All right. Um, even, even if you layered it up, I just found it was, it was funny because you literally walk in, you talk and it's, it's not even single digits. Well, it's close to single digits. It's eight, nine degrees Celsius at times. Um, and, and you walk in and you can't wear your jacket cause you're going to get overheated. But then you get to your stand, get set up, kind of cool off, put your jacket on, and then you just keep getting colder and colder. So, I gotcha. So it didn't work like you thought it was going to. No, not at all. Not at I all. know we did a we did a review. Uh, I think last week or the week before, where a guy kind of had the same uh, experience where he bought some. Uh, I don't know if it was. I think it was Kuyu, uh, yeah. basically for you know designed for a mountain hunter who is on the go a little bit more than a tree stand hunter. And he, he wasn't a fan of it, you know, although I think, you know, that's probably a great, I don't have any experience with Kuyu, but I'm pretty sure I, it's going to be a great product, but I just bought a not whole, for a, a whole set. <laughs> oh, you, you bought a whole set now too. I bought a whole set. Yeah. I bought a whole set. I'm, I'm a bit of a gearhead, Dan. I, <laughs> I like to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally, when it, I was looking at it and I was kind of like, geez, that stuff seems pretty nice. And I, and I bought a piece used from a guy and went, oh, this is really nice stuff. So I actually, I went kind of jumped all in and bought um jacket, vest, pants, the whole nine yards. But I also wasn't planning on wearing that in late November hunts. But based on last November, I probably can. So. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to let me know how that stuff works for you because the other guy, I think he ended up going with Sitka because he just didn't like, I mean, it wasn't tree, st- like he, he, he felt it wasn't performing in the tree stand like he thought it would. Yeah, I mean, I, I've already used it this past spring. I was up on a bear hunt in May and June uh, for a few days with some buddies, and and we had in May we had uh, snow coming down, and I had all the layers on, and I was okay. But I can I can be honest, it, it's not meant to sit there still for, you know, if I was sitting there for six plus hours in the snow, yeah, yeah I would have froze to death. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Yeah. Back to the Under Armour now, right? So, so you yeah. used it for bear season, and you used it for what early uh, deer season, right? Yeah, basically three weeks of the three weeks of October, and decided, you know what, this it's just not working for me. So I actually ended up going back to Bass Pro, and they let they let me return all of it. Um, I, I told my warrant, and they said, yeah, that's no problem because I had all the original tags. They took all the stuff back, and they gave me a, a gift card and said, sorry, you didn't like it, and. So I ended up actually, um, when, when I was there, they had the fanatic, uh, sick of fanatic jacket and bibs. And, and I convinced my wife it was worth the extra $300 and bought it. So. <laughs> you got your wife tricked, man. I need some pointers. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she's got a, she's got a good sense of humor, but uh, she kind of went, how much more? I said, well, it's only like 300 <laughs> Only. But yeah, so I ended up buying the uh, the Sika Fanatic uh, jacket and bits. So okay, and that was in 2014. No, that was that same year. That was 2013. That was the 2013 season. Okay. So I wore the Under Armour for September, like three weeks of October, and then uh, returned it and bought the Sika jacket and bibs. Okay, so. How was I mean? Did you notice instantly the difference? I mean, was it a good? What is? Was it a good transition? Yeah, it was, I was 
I was blown away how warm the stuff was. Okay. Um, yeah, it, sorry about my neighbor's dog is going off. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was amazing how warm the stuff was. Um, again, I started wearing it towards the end of October and we're getting down into, you know, well, the low forties and, um, and I was, I was, I was really, really impressed on how warm it was. I sat out one evening in the pouring rain and it was cold because it was like the last week of October and I'm like, rain or not, I'm sitting out here Yeah. and it's not waterproof, <laughs> not even yeah. one little bit, but I stayed warm the whole time and I was soaked, but I, I wasn't cold. Okay. Well, and what was the temperature that day? Uh, I, I want to say it was, was it 40, 41, 42 degrees. Okay. It was, it was just above freezing. It was a, fairly cool. You know, it was borderline, it was borderline like freezing rain. Got ya. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, so, so now, you know, you kind of gave us the spoiler. You, you purchased a whole bunch of Kuyu stuff. Are you going to also <laughs> be getting any additional Sitka gear this year? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really, I'm kind of interested in the, uh, early season gear now. I mean, like I've, I've bought the Kuyu stuff, but the one thing with that Sitka fanatic, uh, jacket and bibs, like I tell my buddies, this. like, we've been out, um, there was four of us went out a few years ago. And out of the four of us, two guys climbed down of their stands and left, or went back to the truck early because they were frozen. Yeah. And then I climbed down and I'm wearing thin gloves and I'm walking, I get my climber together, walk up, meet with another buddy. And I'm like, holy cow. He's like, what? I unzipped my zipper. Steam comes on. It's so hot. He goes, are you kidding me? I'm freezing. <laughs> and I'm like, well, bud, I said, you're, you're telling you, like, there's a reason. Guys, like, it's so, it's so expensive. I said, yeah, I know, but you have to try it. Yeah. to understand i mean for starters that kangaroo pouch is amazing yeah to warm your hands like i it's 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 amazing now huge drawback to it last season like it was so hot all of october november um i didn't even i i went out with a buddy um in december and i could finally put on my sick gear yeah like he couldn't wear it in november it was too hot okay so yeah. but but you just had the jacket and bibs right so yeah, just the jacket and bit. Well, and I bought the Traverse shirt too. Okay, all right. Yeah. So the the fanatic jacket and the fanatic bib, those are for you know cooler temperature type of hunts. I mean, th- that's the yeah. that's the shell or the the outer layer, I guess you want to say. Yep. So what did you wear underneath that? What do you have? What do you have for that? Uh, underneath it, I wore um, the Under Armour uh, base cold uh, cold gear base layers. I think they're. Uh, what number was it? Number four. I didn't buy the tree stand one they have, but it's, I think it's number, they have them coded according to how warm they keep you. Gotcha. And based on your activity level. And I think it's number four is the number I wear. So okay. just top and bottom. So that's all I have under the, under the jacket and bibs was, was, uh, basically a moisture wicking layer. Okay. All right. Yeah. So now, I mean, I, and I, I, say this about Sitka, like I bought that in 2004, uh, 2013, um, after hunting with it for the 2014 season, I noticed the chest pocket had ripped a little and I noticed some of the, the color was fading a bit. So I contacted, uh, Sitka. They said, okay, well, you know, here's send you, send your gear in and we'll take care of it. And I'm like, well, this was in November. So it's a year later. I'm like, well, I can't give my, I need my stuff for the season. So I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. So then last year in the fall, I went, Oh, I forgot to deal with this. So I went to go and send it away to Sitka to have him looked at it, uh, in, in August. 
and someone, a friend of mine said, you might want to call them because that was like a year ago. They gave you that return number. I said, okay. So I called the company and after about a 10 minute conversation, I had shipped out to my house, a brand new fanatic jacket and bibs to replace the ones that were damaged. Wow. That's pretty good in the new service. In, in the new, in the new pattern, <laughs> in the new, the new fleece and such. And no, no charge to you. Nothing. No, no charge. Wow. That's uh yeah. Not a lot of companies do that. No, <laughs> I was kind of like, I said, oh, okay. So he goes, yeah, we'll ship you this. We'll ship you this. I said, okay, so when do I return you this stuff? Oh, no, just keep it. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, yeah. uh, companies that do that, you know, like the Vortex Optics, they have, yep. and, and the Maven, uh, they have a, you know, a complete, if you break it, we'll return it, you know, we'll, or we'll fix it hands down. You know, and there's some companies that are going to that, but man, that's a, that's a huge risk for a company to, to trust the customer so much that they're going to give, potentially give away a brand new product in return for something that may or may not have been the fault of the product itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. No. And and in all honesty, (laughs) ironically, I actually preferred the older stuff and I used it more than the new stuff last year. <laughs> okay. Just because it was they, broken in or what? Well, you know what? No, they, they changed the, um, uh, they went with like a Berber fleece on the outside, the finish of it. Yep. And I found it just a little bit, uh, I don't know, a little bit poofier than the, than the previous year. Now, maybe again, that's just because the other stuff was broken in more, but right. yeah, I actually, you know, they're both really warm, but yeah, I actually preferred the older one. The camel pattern beside it, you know, whatever it is, what it is, kind of thing. But right, I got gotcha. you. All right. So yeah. now my my next question here is: instead of going more, you know, going more with Sitka because you had a good experience with that company, why did you decide to buy all new stuff from Kuyu? Um. Again, it's it's just because it was new. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really should stay off the internet at times. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, no, that. and I mean it's funny because I mean because I buy it too, and then uh, case in point, you got a guy. Um, um, okay, so the Trag Geeks, they they wear Kuyu gear, and I actually contacted them about you know what do you wear during because they hunt in Pennsylvania, so their yep. winters weather is similar to what I deal with. And the guy said, "Oh, this is what we wear." Well, they had Donnie Vincent on there, who's sponsored by Kuyu, right, yep. talking about the gear. Well, Donnie, what do you wear during whitetail season? And he goes, well, I put the Kuyu away, and you got to wear, you know, you got to wear wool. <laughs> yeah. I went, okay, well, there's a guy who's sponsored by the company suggesting not to use it for your stand hunting. Right. So, I think I think Donnie Vincent is now sponsored by Sitka. Is he? Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> maybe. maybe. I'm I surprised you didn't sit. I don't know. Who I saw knows, right? but I mean, I think he's, I saw some pictures or he recently and he was wearing it. So who knows? Yeah. No, I, I just want to, I want to try something different. Um, again, I liked how thin and light the stuff looked. Um, yeah. and again, a lot of places I go, like I have stands that are set up 500 yards from where I park. Yeah. Um, but I have my best luck going again with my climber or, going mobile i had better luck going mobile somewhere else okay. than the permanent stand so i was looking for something that was really lightweight um yeah that was that was a big thing why not sika 
again, the price wasn't bad either. I mean, if you, in all honesty, if you look at the price of some of the Kuyu gear and compare it apples to apples to some of the Sika gear, it's a little cheaper. I think it's because it's direct to consumer. Yeah. Yes, it is. Um, I, there's another the case in point. There's another company. I, I got my, received my order and you know, I opened it up and I went, well, that's not the right color hat because <laughs> you got to match, right? <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so I co- I contacted them. They apologized, and within a week, I had a brand new hat. They said keep the other one for free. Sorry about the mistake. Oh, I went, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty. Yeah. So I was impressed with their customer service too. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it does in um in October, early November. If we get a regular November, like a regular rut kind of weather, I can't see me wearing the Kuyu. I think I'll just be wearing the Fanatic gear. Right. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, so but, I take, I mean, I take you, you recommend, I mean, do you recommend the, uh, Sitka? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're a tree stand hunter, if you're a whitetail tree stand hunter, um, that's Sitka fanatic bibs and jacket. Like they say, it's built for a tree stand whitetail hunter, hands down. Okay. Right. You no, know, it's, it's got everything. It's got everything where it's supposed to be. I, and all honesty, I never use the, the grunt tube pocket. Um, I've used the rangefinder pocket a bit, but um, I'm actually looking forward to using the uh, the traditional uh, bow holder down on the leg. <laughs> oh yeah, because if I was because I was laughing like it's there. I mean, how, who actually uses that? And I'm like, well, I guess I'll be using it this year. Right, right. So, what about the Under Armour? Um, I I wouldn't again. I if you're a mobile hunter, if you're hunting where it doesn't get too cold, yeah, it was good gear for that. Um, if you're planning on sitting and it's it's single digits or the colder, I, I wouldn't recommend it. And again, that's the older style. Maybe the new style's got more insulation than it did in the past. But okay. um, I can't see thing as as good as the Sitka with the Primaloft. Not to mention that 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 um, hand warmer in the center. Like that's amazing. Right. You know, being a bow being a bow hunter, you don't have to wear thick gloves. Yep. You know. Yep. All right. You get somewhere to keep your cell phone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Which it can be a bad thing at times. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So, well, I tell you what, Scott, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come on the show and uh, talk about these products with us. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dan. Appreciate it. All right, there you have it. Your Hump Day podcast is in the books. So, uh, first off, I want to say thank you to Scott Clark for taking time out of his day to uh, come on the show and review those products. Huge shout out to uh, all you listeners out there, everyone who has taken time to uh, listen to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Huge shout out to Exodus Trail Cameras for, uh, you know, believing in the show and, uh, you know, taking this ride with me. Also, I want to, you know, point you guys in the direction of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I, uh, I release a lot of cool pictures and, uh, you know, some of the bucks that I'm chasing this year. Um, like, like I said in previous episodes, because the podcast is taking up so much time, I have kind of laid off the writing for a little bit. But uh, when I when some of this free t- more free time opens up, uh, good luck, right? But when that happens, I'm going to start uh, putting out some more content. And uh, hopefully someday I'm going to start releasing some video on there as well. So, uh, you know. Check in periodically for that. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you follow follow me. Make sure you are going to uh, you know iTunes or wherever you download this podcast. Uh, leave a review, and um, you know 
know, not to sound sappy or anything like that, but if you have someone in your life that is important to you, that you appreciate, that you are thankful for, tell them because there could be a time where that person is no longer around and you cannot, uh, you cannot tell them face to face what they actually mean to you. And, uh, you know, that doesn't have to relate to hunting that can relate to life in general. So, um, you know, a phone call, a, a message, a note, a text, you know, a hug, something as simple as that, that can go a long way. So, uh, enough of the sappy stuff. If you're in a tree this weekend, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.